Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by teatimescreations.etsy.com. Tea Times Creations features cake stands and jewelry stands made out of vintage china. The shop also features supplies, including drill bits and fittings, so you can make your own cake stand at home. So check out teatimescreations.etsy.com for more information. Okay, so let's get to it, folks. It's been a while, and it's time to craft sanity. Sorry it took so long to get this episode out. I took an unplanned hiatus from the podcast and um, have been doing a lot of thinking about how to keep this thing going. Right now, I just want to get to business and bring you an interview that I recorded a little while back with Amy Ray. Those of you who embroider probably know her from her books. She's got two books out. She's working on a third. Doodle Stitching was her first book, and then her latest book, Doodle Stitching, The Motif Collection, came out in 2010. I interviewed Amy for the summer issue of Craft Sanity Magazine. So she's uh, featured in issue three on page 44. A couple of motifs from her book are available. She let me publish those so you folks at home could try out her designs. Amy's going to tell her story. And what is particularly interesting about it is that, you know, she didn't actively pursue the book deal and try to force what happened to her to happen. Sometimes really great things happen when you just do what you love and just see where it takes you. And that's exactly what Amy Ray did. So I think, and plus she has such a cool name, Amy Ray. Isn't that awesome? You know, it just has a great ring to it. Anyway, without further ado, let's get on to that conversation with Amy. I'm really curious about your background and how you got into just all this artsy, crafty stuff that you do. So maybe if you can take us back and to you know when you first started doing embroidery or maybe you did a lot of drawing as a kid I've always loved making things out of like anything just scraps of paper fabric clay whatever um since I was a little kid my favorite thing you know in bible school or whatever was the craft time you know (laughs) and you know we we all my mom always had fabric and and things to make stuff out of and Hot glue gun was my best friend as a kid, <laughs> which might sound dangerous, but... If you know what you're doing, it's not dangerous. I burned my fingers all the time, but it didn't really faze me or hinder me from to keep using it, you know? I learned how to embroider when I was, like, five, and my grandma would bring samplers to my house when she came to visit, and she's kind of taught me how to start out, you know, just doing little simple stitches and things like that, but I actually picked it back up again a few years ago and started designing my own patterns at that point and just found it to be, you know, really relaxing and just fun. You were in your 30s when you picked it up again, and now you have two books out that are embroidery yeah. motifs? <laughs> like that's that's no joke. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. What was it that inspired you to start doing embroidery again? Just seeing um, crafty people on the internet, you know, Sublime Stitching was one, and just so many different... The whole craft thing was just becoming so much more out there you know a few years ago and um, being a big internet person it just really drew me in and seeing all the cool things that people are making using really traditional 
um, techniques and media, but putting like a fresh twist on it, you know, it really got my attention. And I'm um, by trade a graphic designer, and so I spent my days in front of a computer doing graphic illustration and things like that. And so I think the hands-on craft approach really sucked me in because it's so much different from the computer stuff that I do. Oh, yeah. But it's still really creative, and I kind of need that outlet. I have a hard time not doing anything. And so even when I'm, like, watching movies in the evening or whatever, I always am working on something with my hands, you know. So it was really good for that to just start using a different part of my creative brain, I guess. Yeah. So where did you grow up? I'm from central Illinois originally. Okay, so you're a Midwestern girl like me then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and where did you go to college? I went to Milliken University in Decatur, Illinois. Okay. And so did you study graphic art there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were you doing crafts in college? I know I didn't have a whole lot of time to do a lot of crafting in college. but well, you... I didn't really. I was, you know, I was pretty focused on classes. I took a lot of um, drawing and painting and ceramics, which I loved, and but I, I didn't really get into the sewing and that kind of thing until later on. From the time that you picked embroidery back up, were you using, did you try to use other people's patterns initially and then just gravitated um, to your own designs or? Not really. I pretty much just started doing my own stuff. I think I'm, I've always been a big drawer. I always have a sketchbook nearby, you know, I'm mm-hmm. always doing and just drawing whatever. And so it was just a really natural transition to try since embroidery is mostly like outlines and stuff, it was just a really natural thing to try to embroider my drawings. Mm-hmm. So I just really just jumped into that and it took off. And so how did it take off? Did you, um, did you approach a publisher or did they see your blog and see some of your designs online or how, how did that unfold? Yeah, they actually saw some of my artwork online. I mean, I had done several just embroidered art pieces and they found me and, contacted me and said, hey, do you want to write an embroidery book? And I was like, wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, they made it, they made the whole process really easy for someone who had never done that before. So it was, it was just really, really easy and fun. It was a really good experience. It was a lot of, lots of work, but you know, it's something I really enjoy. And so your first book was Doodle Stitching and that came out, when did that come out, that first one come out? Um, 2007. And then you follow that up with Doodle Stitching, the motif collection. Yeah, and that was out last year in September. And so what kind of response have you gotten to having your designs out there? What are people saying? It's been really good. I've gotten almost 100% positive feedback from yeah. people. <laughs> well, there's, really good. there's always going to you know, be a couple people that have Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't, expect, I can't expect it to be perfect for everybody. And, you know, I would, I would, I would never think that it would be you know I don't expect that but um yeah I mean the feedback that I have gotten has been overwhelmingly good and it's just it's so cool to see my designs out there being used by people you know for their own projects and using them to create their own gifts or or just things that they treasure you know and just learning to embroider and picking up you know new craft projects and discovering things that they ha- they didn't know that they had in them, but they can easily learn and, and make something, you know. It's just really cool to see um, what people are doing. And one of the great things, too, about what you've done, and I know I have your second book right in front of me here, and what I love about it is that you 
You give people a lot of information about, I mean, for a lot of people, they're perplexed when it comes to just like, okay, how do I get my design onto the fabric? And if you've never done this before, I mean, that's a, right. pretty, that's a pretty big dilemma, you know, trying to figure out what transfer method to use yeah. and, and um, do you trace it at a window or use tissue paper or whatever. And you're explaining all the different ways that people can transfer if you're working with a darker fabric, mm -hmm. um, you know, what kind of embroidery hoop to use. And for those who've been stitching for a while, I mean, they know this stuff, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, I always read these sections of books, even if it's something I've been doing for a while, because it never fails that there's going to be some little tip or tidbit yeah. that I'm going to pick up. And, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this for like 10 yeah. years and I had no idea. <laughs> like, Oh, I know. I'm the same way. Yeah, you know, I don't consider myself a professional or an expert necessarily. You know, I just learn by doing and, you know, looking into what other people are, who are doing similar things and how they do it, you know kind of developing my own techniques from that. So. Yeah, and I think, well, and I think you you just did a nice job of setting it up, uh, you know, so people, they're they're going to be successful. You know, you give some stitch diagrams mm -hmm. here. And did you do all the graphic um, work, all the diagrams and everything for your book? Or did yeah, you... I did all the illustrations. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, that's something. Did you do the photography as well, or did you? No, they did that? my publisher did the photography and the book design. Okay, so yeah. then you, you, but you did the, um, all the little stitch diagrams and those are tricky to do too, because, um, yeah, those, I mean, to, to just explain it to people, I, my fallback is always photography. You know, I can show a photo of it, but sometimes a photo of a French knot doesn't really exactly work. Right. Um, you know? So, well, and if you yourself have done it a million times, it's so hard. You to think it's something is clear, but it's not necessarily clear to someone who's never done it. Exactly. So. Exactly. So you've done a really nice job of, of, you know, just breaking things down for people so they can actually, be successful when they transfer one of your motifs onto their fabric. And I love yeah. that you included a, a CD with this too. So explain to people yeah. what they can do. Explain what people can do now that, that all the designs are on the CD. Well, if you have, you know, any basic image editing crop, uh, program, you can pull those files individually and kind of collage them. Just like, or you can print them out individually and cut them out and collage them that way, you know, whatever's easiest for you. But you can basically create your own patterns from all the separate motifs that are on the disc. Which so, is really awesome. Was, yeah, I really, I really was happy that we were able to do that because I've, I've been selling, you know, digital um, patterns in my Etsy shop and gotten really good response from that. People like to you know, have that reference and be able to print it out and, you know, make it different sizes if they want to and that kind of thing. So I think that's a really great resource. I was really excited to be able to include that. Yeah, and that is easier for people if they don't have a printer that adjusts the size, you know, where you might not be able mm -hmm. to um, right. easily do that. It's easier just to pop the disc in your computer and yeah. size it the way you want and hit print and you're good to go. So that's really awesome. So for you, I mean, this has got to be pretty pretty cool i mean like a whirlwind here um to go from mm -hmm. you know i think i'll get back into embroidery to um yeah. you want to write a book and now you have two books out are you working on a third book or are you i just, am yeah? i was just starting to uh talk about the third book so i should be we're thinking it's going to be out in 2012 so, so this is another embroidery book or is it something else uh-huh yeah it's going to be embroidery it's we're, i think it's going to be um some more kind of more advanced techniques, hopefully not like super advanced, but just kind of the next step, you know, Which if you can doing... Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about some different techniques and even bringing maybe some different craft media, like maybe crochet or needle felting and that kind of thing in as well. 
So uh, there's nothing, you know, set in stone quite yet, but I think we've got a lot of ideas that we want to try. And so I think it'll be really fun. Yeah, well, it sounds, I mean, it sounds cool. And I think that for you, this has got to be fun too, because I noticed just from looking at your blog and your website that you do, I mean, you're sewing and you also crochet and what do Mm -hmm. do you do other crafts as well? I have dabbled in almost everything (laughs) at this point. I just, I just love everything. I love trying new things and learning new things. And I see something that catches my interest. I'm like, wow, what can I do with that? And so, you know, I just, there's nothing that I don't want to try, you know, as far as arts and crafts. I just, I love it all. So you can kind of tell that from the stuff that I post online. Yeah. And you're also into, I also noticed that you're into making accessories for Blythe dolls as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because not everybody gets the Blythe thing. I have two dolls, which I bought mm-hmm. under the guise of buying them for my children because I have two daughters, but um, they're not allowed to play with my Blythe dolls. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's, I, I, it's a really fun community online, the Blythe Collectors. What is your favorite thing to make or maybe the most popular thing that you've been making and selling in your Etsy shop? I've probably sold the most patterns and embroidery patterns because they're, they're just really, they're kind of cheap and just easy, you know, to grab one or two and go with. Um, Also, I've sold lots of little gnome figures that I make. I've gone up past uh, 600 of those now. Oh, wow. Now tell me about (laughs) those. Is is this something that you have? Is this like a branded, um, I was looking at that, the gnomes. Um, Tell me about the gnomes and what started you on um, the gnome thing. Yeah, that was just kind of a weird fluke thing, too. I mean, I just picked up some paper clay, which is this paper-based clay that yep, you can paint I with water. Yeah, I use that. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it, too. And um, and so I was just, I, I've always been a fan of, like, fantasy and miniatures, and so I just made these little shapes and painted them with watercolors as gnomes. And this was, you know, several years ago, too, around the time I was starting to get back into embroidery and other crafts and stuff. And, um I just posted them online and sold them to some of my online friends right away. I mean, they sold like instantly. And so I've made more. And so those sold too. And <laughs> I just never stopped. <laughs> they were just, they're just something that people really like. And, and I have a lot of fun making them. They're all different. And yeah. So I'm actually working on a book of gnomes too. Oh, really? That I'm gonna, yeah, that I'm going to publish myself, and it's got it's going to have photographs of all of them and and just some little extra things too. So I've been kind of working on that little by little over the last year or so. Oh, that's so. awesome! So you're going to self-publish that one? Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. So are you printing oh. and distributing everything all all yourself, or? Um, I think I'm going to probably go through Lulu. Okay. And see how that goes. It's kind of the first trial for that sort of thing that I've done. So Yeah, well, it's a... Um, see how it goes. Yeah, I've noticed with the magazine, too. It's been a real education. Um, the printing and the putting the thing together is probably the easiest part, but when you come to, like, distribution, it's really right. hard to replicate what a major publisher can do. Um, yeah, you know, I know. That's yeah, but, but what is truly cool and what, one of the things you're probably going to really love about the experience once all the hard work is done is to have a publication that is solely yours and you're mm-hmm. happy with all the you know photos, the title, the everything about it you did. Um, there's right. something really yeah. gratifying about that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, that's exciting. So when can people look for that? When is there a working title or do you have? Um, it's called The Book of Gnome. I'm hoping to get it out this year. <laughs> okay. I know that's kind of a big goal, but I do have a lot done on it. It's just kind of a matter of time since 
you know, it has to kind of take a second uh, backseat to paying work right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, I agree. I'm going to work on it, you I know, when you. I have time. But, yeah, so it's... Um, yeah, my goal is to finish it. So have you always, like, year. have you always, like, gnomes, or is there, like, something that inspired that? Uh, are you just... Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I haven't, I've never, like, collected them or anything like that. I think that what made me go for gnomes to begin with is that they're just kind of a really easy, simple shape to make out of clay. Right. And then, you know, I kind of just went from there. It seems like you're the type of person that doesn't have a lot of idle time. Like, you're always working oh. on something, it sounds like. <laughs> I am. My mind is always reeling with ideas and things that I want to make. And um, last year, I actually left my full-time graphic design job and to work um, all for myself. And so I've been doing that since October and I really love it. And I can just do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And it's been going well. So, Do you find that you're working more now than you were before when you had a day job though? I mean, is, have you noticed it? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you know, it's just like I'm always working on something and it's hard for me to take time off where I'm just doing nothing because there's always something in my head that I want to be working on. Because it sounds to me like you probably would be stitching even if it wasn't for your Etsy shop to have a photograph of the right. sample. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. You know, my husband works at home too, and so we'll we're not like really plan ahead type people, but we'll just say spontaneously, you know, we'll go to the nature park and go for a walk this afternoon and not work or whatever. But, you know, it's not like we plan ahead to take a day a week off or anything like that. You just kind of, yeah. Well, that's good. So is he an artist as well? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. that's exciting. So it's... graphic art too, or what kind of art? Yeah, he, he's, um, he does a lot of comic book type stuff, like coloring and design oh. and things. So it sounds like yep. you guys have a pretty fun, fun lifestyle there. And what, what kind yep. of job were you doing when you lost your, when you had a job that you ended up you know, losing the day job, what were you doing? Were you working as an illustrator somewhere? Uh, yeah, I was actually, I designed greeting cards. Oh, okay. So yeah, I worked for day spring cards here in Arkansas and I worked there for uh, eight years before I quit. So. Oh, wow. So, so it was and all that time was doing doing all the craft stuff in my spare time. <laughs> Were you thinking for some time that you know you really wanted to be independent, or you know what made yeah. you make that jump? Yeah, I've always known that I wanted to work for myself. Eventually, I think that it never occurred to me that I could make a living at doing crafts <laughs> until yeah, I don't think it occurred along. to a lot of us that that was even yeah an and so that was like a whole new world and you know a whole new idea to me when I when I got my Etsy shop and started selling stuff I was like wow this could really happen you know um I also do illustration work and and you know some design and stuff like that on the side too but um yeah that that's been huge so how soon after you opened the shop back in 2006, how long did it take before you were like, wow, I really could, you know, the sales were, I mean, did it take a while for sales to pick up or did you have like immediate success? I mean, how, how did things start off for you? It took a little while. I mean, I was, I, I kind of was um, selling gnomes at that point right away. And so those were already selling pretty well, just among people that I knew online, you know. And then I guess the word kind of got out because they're still selling 600 gnomes later. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the first things that I was selling there, some gnomes and stuffed animals and things like that. So um, I guess it's been a gradual growth, though, you know, over the years. It's just as I've added new things and just tried different things. That's one of the things I love about Etsy is that, like, you can throw anything on there. I mean, that's how I started selling gnomes. I had no idea that anybody would care. I, I mean, I thought they were cute, but it didn't occur. You know, I never imagined that I would make 600 of them. And so, you know, you can just try anything and throw it up there and see if, if it sticks, you know? Right. And, and, it's, and you're only out yeah. 20 cents. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, if yeah. it doesn't sell, I mean, you, you pay 20 yeah, cents. Yeah, you're not out anything. Yeah, exactly. So. You just got to make sure you don't list 2,000 of them at the same time. You right, know? yeah. <laughs> do it kind of yeah. slow. And for patient. me, someone who likes to do a million different types of things, it's, that's perfect because I can do that and it's fun. Uh, what has been the, the biggest challenge for you, would you say, as you've kind of made this um, pretty successful foray into the online craft world? Now you have two books under your belt. Um, what what has been your greatest challenge just trying to navigate this um, kind of online persona and build a successful handmade business? As far as online venues, I use Flickr constantly, and that's probably the biggest thing. You know, I have, like, a Twitter and a Facebook, but I've just never really latched on to either of those all that much. So I think I think you kind of just have to find what your own niche is as far as that goes. And, you know, I haven't done a lot of advertising either. I think, I think probably word of mouth is the best online advertising you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Posting stuff wherever wherever you can and try to just draw people in and get people interested in what you're doing. And, you know, and also just be interested in what other people are doing and see what's out there, you know. Now that you're working independently, what surprised you about that? I mean, I don't know if there's something was easier than you thought it was going to be or more challenging than you thought it was going to be or something that just kind of you didn't expect. Well, I don't know if there's anything surprising necessarily. I mean, I just kind of really easily slid into this lifestyle. I, my husband and I had worked uh, freelance together right after we were married for a couple of years before we got into the real job world <laughs> for a while. And then, and then now we're, we're back to that. So I kind of knew what to expect as far as that goes, as far as, you know, the scheduling and, and the lifestyle, that kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know if there's anything you know, that surprised me necessarily. Like I said, I just, I really enjoyed just working for myself again. It's it's something I've always known that I wanted to do. And I'm just really happy that I'm finally able to do that. So. Do you think you ever could go back to like a corporate America setting? Oh, you... no. I knew, you know, <laughs> the day I, I, the first day I, I came back and, and worked at home, I'm like, there's no way I can go back ever. <laughs> and it just, grown stronger day by day since then I'm like I can't even imagine going back and working in an office situation again and you know the job I had was great and I had I had no complaints about the time that I spent there it was really good for me to be there and do the things and learn the things that I did but it's just not where I am you know it's not what I'm meant to be doing and I know that this is what I'm meant to be doing so so I'm curious about what you do when uh you're not working or crafting well we have two big dogs and so i walk the dogs pretty much every afternoon if it's nice out um we do go 
on nature hikes and that sort of thing to the national parks around here, which is always fun. I'm a big nature girl. <laughs> um, I uh, plant a garden, at least, you know, a few vegetables and herbs and things every year, which is fun, flowers and that kind of thing. Um, not really big into sports. I never have been. But I, I do have lots of personal interests. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, do you like to can? Like, do you can from your garden, or do you just kind of eat from your garden? Well, kind of eat fresh. I'm kind of kind of really big into um, natural, organic food. <laughs> um, where we kind of switched to a vegan diet a couple years ago, and so that's a big part of my life is uh, trying to dig up or trying to find healthy food and um, finding new healthy recipes to try and things like that. So I'm really into the whole nutrition idea and just eating natural. And and so we spend a lot of uh, time and money at our local organic food store, which is about my favorite place to visit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sound weird, but yeah, that's that's a big that's a big part of my life too. Yeah, well, I'm kind of transitioning toward the vegan diet. I've been kind of on my way yeah. for a long time, and I still um, I'll still eat like chicken right now, but I eat it in very small quantities, and I have to use like disassociation techniques. It's interesting that you said you know you made the switch a couple of years ago. What led you to make the switch to vegetarianism? What what is it that um, pushed you over the? Well, it was definitely a transition. I mean, we had started wanting to buy more organic food and that kind of thing and cut out kind of the white flour and sugar and processed packaged stuff as much as possible. Um, it's interesting you said you saw that on Oprah because the one thing that turned me off of chicken was when we moved here to Arkansas. There's tons of chicken farming around here. And seeing like a million chickens packed into the back of a cage truck oh, right in front of you when you're driving. Yeah. And it's really repulsive and that was just like one of the things that stuck in my brain and was like I cannot eat chicken again <laughs> the fact that you like nature and the garden that kind of I mean that comes into your work it's interesting to see because you probably when you came out of school I mean what did you think you would end up doing for your career I mean what did you think it would be greeting cards and that would be kind of what you would do Illustration was something that I always wanted to do. You know, I kind of, like I said, I always wanted to work for myself. And um, I kind of pictured myself doing probably freelance illustration. But, you know, like I said before, it never occurred to me that doing art, doing crafts and selling them was a viable career option, <laughs> you know, until Etsy came along and I was able to do that. It was just, it's just another whole world that has been really good for me. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And how does this go over when you run into people that you went to school with, maybe like the high school, you know, you're, you're visiting your hometown and you uh, run into somebody and they're like, Hey, what do you do? Well, it's like my husband and I uh, started out doing comic books and that's all, that was always like, wow, you do comic books. I never met anybody who did anything like that, you know? Right. And so I'm kind of used to the people thinking that what my job is cool and that kind of thing, because most of the people I know, I, I mean, I grew up not knowing anybody who did anything in the art world as a career besides my art teachers, you know. Right. So, right. To, I don't know. I guess I'm used to that kind of thing on that level. But as far as, like, getting into the details of the kind of stuff I do, I don't, I don't like, volunteer that right off, I guess. <laughs> I wait for it, that kind of thing to come out. But 
if they're interested in, in hearing about it. Where do you get your inspiration? It sounds like obviously going out in nature is one of the places, but where else do you look when you're, you know, maybe trying to, you know, come up with a new um, set of patterns or work out some new designs? What inspires you? Oh, everything inspires me. I mean, I don't know. As an artist, I'm just like constantly taking in, whether it's like a movie I watch or, you know, other artists online or a book I'm reading or dreams that I've had. I just, I get bits and pieces of inspiration everywhere. And I always have a sketchbook, you know, close by and I'm always just putting little bits and pieces of drawings in there that sometimes eventually turn into something that I'll use as an embroidery pattern or a craft project, or sometimes they'll just sit there by themselves and, and, and remind me of something or, you know, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where inspiration comes from when you're trying to be creative 24 hours a day. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a way of life. You know, everything is inspiring to me. So, so do you ever get it to a point where you kind of have to close yourself off from some, because there's so much, there's so much, especially online. I mean, mm-hmm. you go online and you can easily like lose two or three hours in a day. Like oh. if you're not careful, I mean, oh. cause one link links to the next link and then you're like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And then you click to read about who made it and then you see something else they made and you know how this mm-hmm. goes. I mean, you look up and you know, you feel like, wow, I've just been doing this for 90 minutes. <laughs> I mean, how did that happen? And, um, so do you ever have to get to, you know, do you ever get to the point where you're like, okay, I got to get away from the computer and um, do you design on the computer or do you design on paper? Um, usually, well, like my embroidery patterns and stuff usually start in my sketchbook from, you know, a doodle or something that I've started and then I'll scan that in and, and maybe, you know, trace it in Illustrator or something like that. So it's, it's kind of a, it goes both ways. I don't know if you have any advice or if you could talk about just your experience of how you've been able to kind of uh, develop your own style. Well, I don't know. You know, we talked about just all the different types of crafts that that I've tried to do. And my, my art style is kind of the same way where it's hard for me to stick with just one thing that I would call my style. I think I have so much different variety in there that that comes from all different, all the different things that I've done that, I don't know, one day I'll be drawing something really cute and simple and the next day it'll be more almost photorealistic type thing. And it all just sort of comes together on its own, I guess, you know? I can't really say exactly the process. A special thanks to Amy for being my guest and sharing her story. And I hope that you check out Amy's books, Doodle Stitching and Doodle Stitching, the Motif Collection, because they're pretty awesome books. You can also find her, like I said, more information about Amy in the third issue of Craft Sanity Magazine. And I hope you hop over to littledeer.etsy.com and check out the variety of work that Amy produces. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that feel like they have to pick one thing. And I know I'm in the same camp as Amy. I can't pick one thing. I just can't do it. I have too many interests and I would not want to just do one thing. For some people, they really can make it work. And Amy's an example of someone who's made her variety of interests and and craft talents. She makes it all work for her. And that's really great. You can read more about Amy on her blog, littledeertracks.blogspot.com. Check it out. And I hope you do get out the embroidery hoop and some floss and get to work. And I'd like to thank my sponsor once again, 
for making this episode possible. I hope you all check out teatimescreations.etsy.com. And as I mentioned earlier, this is a great little Etsy shop where you can get cake stands and jewelry stands made primarily out of vintage china. And these are great for wedding showers and baby showers and just tea parties. If you want to have some really lovely accessories to wow your guests at your next tea party, this would be a great place to go. And the cool thing about this online shop is that you, if you want to make your own, say you have some vintage china at home that you want to make into a stand, they can help you out. They sell drill bits, fittings. You can get them separately or you can get a kit to make your own cake stand at home. They also offer drilling services. So they can kind of walk you through the whole process of making your own cake stand or buying one that's finished if you just want to have it ready to go. Yeah, so head over to teatimescreations.etsy.com and uh, tell them Jennifer sent you. And if you would like to sponsor an upcoming episode of Craft Sanity, please get in touch. You can email jennifer at craftsanity.com if you'd like to talk to me directly, or you can use the sponsors at craftsanity.com, whichever is easier for you. And we'll hatch a plan to get the word out about your indie craft business or blog or website, and uh, you'll be able to help me out and keep this show going. And uh, and it's good to be back. I really do enjoy it. Those of you who want to stick around for the after show, you're welcome to listen in after the music plays. I'll uh, be back soon. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Wow, it's been a long time since I've done one of these after shows. <laughs> it's so crazy, but I never really plan to take a break from the podcast, but I think what happens when you get busy and you don't have a day job and you're trying to just kind of scrape together an income, your attention is just, I mean, it's just the nature of things you have to focus. You're forced to focus on the things that bring in a little bit of revenue. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. I started this podcast in, oh boy, in 2005, I was, I had just had Amelia and uh, so I had a newborn and an 18-month-old. And on my first day back from maternity leave, and this would have been into two, I started planning in 2005, launched the podcast in 2006. First day back from my maternity leave with two babies, and I was headed back to a full-time job. I decided I'm going to have a weekly podcast. Um, actually, I didn't decide that right away. I just recorded one episode and didn't know if I'd do it anymore. Uh, very quickly, it turned into a weekly podcast. I didn't take sponsorships and no advertising. Just did it out of pure love of you know, craft. And um, it was insane. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I stayed up really late at night. And you'll hear, if you listen to the earlier episodes, I do sound like I'm kind of on muscle relaxers or something because a lot of the time I was recording my intros and so forth very late at night, writing the website very late at night, you know, and it was just kind of a recipe for disaster as far as typos go and just sounding kind of kind of freaky at times. But what I found is that I really it gave me a voice and it gave me a way to connect with all kinds of creative people all around the globe. And I really loved that and got kind of addicted to that. And I can tell you after taking a couple months off that it, you know, it kind of felt strange to not do this, but at the same time, I didn't have any sponsors lined up and I started craft Sandy magazine in December. And now I'm working on the fourth issue for fall and then also working on the winter issue, and um, 
while that magazine project doesn't pay gobs of money either, it does. It is more of a you know a revenue source. But what I've decided though is that I love craft sanity too much, this podcast too much to to not do it anymore. So I'm going to find a way to keep doing it. I want to keep it free because I I think there's something pretty cool about being able to get a podcast that you like for free. Um, I, I, I still like that concept and I'm thinking that what I'm going to do is just continue to, to work with, uh, advertisers. Um, just those of you who have small indie businesses that you want to get the word out about, I'm going to just look to continue to work with you folks and, uh, have the, you know, little introduction and crediting my sponsors at the beginning, coming back in the end of the show and thanking them again putting the links on the website and making it work that way uh some of you have sent in donations while i was on hiatus and i really really appreciate that and it is really kind of overwhelming i mean i haven't gotten gobs of money but the amounts that i've gotten and the people that have you know written to to you know just offer support and say hey i hope you do bring it back i I really appreciate that because you know, I think about right about the time that I was feeling overwhelmed and I had a lot going on and I t- kind of took a break. Uh, I think someone had sent me a message that I talked too much, <laughs> which, I mean, I really don't have much to say in response to that. I mean, it is a fact. Um, I do talk too much. I mean, I talk quite a bit, you know, but, you know, and I just thought, you know, I'm doing this for free. And then you, know, you get kind of irritated because you're like, okay, you know, it's a free show. And, and then people are, you know, complaining and it wasn't people. It was one person. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to just... I got to take a break. And I did. And, um, you know, it was just kind of cracks me up, but, uh, so I'm back and I am open to your feedback. So if you, um, I think we've already stated on the record that I talk a lot. So I'm looking for feedback beyond that. I'm also going to be a little more judicious when I record interviews. I'm going to try to keep them to a shorter length, not seriously short. You know, I want to still be around the hour mark with, the podcast and sometimes longer depending on you know how the interview's going but um sometimes I've been on the phone with people for you know a couple hours and while I I really enjoy these interviews I'm going to try to just keep it you know keep things on track so I can uh make the editing process a little easier for myself and uh streamline some things so I'm going to try to do what I can to just take a more uh streamline some of the production time on my end to make this um something that I can manage with all the other things I'm doing in my life so yeah so anyway if you have ideas or suggestions you know feel free to share those and in Boulder Colorado she blogs over at flaxentwine.com she sent me a dollar for every episode she's listened to and you know that is pretty awesome and and thank you so much for encouraging me to keep going I really appreciate that and yeah, and another way you can support the show and is if you like Craft Sanity magazine, you can subscribe to that or, you know, order individual copies or buy the PDF. Um, I make looms as well. So you don't necessarily, you don't have to just, you know, give me dollars. Um, if there's something that I produce that you like, there's other ways to support this podcast because it's all the same pool of money. So, um, and the pool is not that big. I can't swim laps in it yet, but, <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I really liked this. Uh, it's, it is my joy. And, um, I mean, today is my 35th birthday and my husband asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, he has a day off today. And I'm like, well, 
I'd really like to record my intro and get this podcast out. So if that tells you anything, that I really do like this. I mean, it's something that if I can clear the decks and, you know, make the time and be able to afford to do it, I'm going to do it as long as I can. So uh, I'm back with some renewed energy here. And um, I can't promise you that these are going to be on a regular basis right now because right now I have a sponsor for the next, for one more episode. And then I got to recruit some sponsors for after that. So, and ideally I should probably have to actually make it a viable thing. I really probably need two to three sponsors per episode to make it, you know, I can pay for my time and my husband's time that we put into it. So that just kind of gives you an idea, but I'm going to, uh, I also recognize that this is, um, you know, it's a marketing tool as well for me and the other things I do. So, uh, it all feeds into, you know, helps me, you know, build my business. So, but when you boil it down, I'm a naturally curious person. I love talking to crafty people, and I'm a story collector, and I love to help people share their stories with the larger craft community. So I want to continue to do that. So if you have a, uh, a friend or a person that you admire uh, whose work you think is great and you think they would be a, make a, a, for an interesting uh, guest – Please send your information to send all that sender show tips to Jennifer at craftsanity.com and I will add them to my list, the eternal list, and we'll see what we can do about getting them on a show. Yeah, I mean, I want to thank all of you too for continuing to support Craft Sanity magazine. Uh, it was kind of a harebrained thing for me to start a print publication when print is going out of style real fast. Um, I circulate Craft Sanity in print and PDF formats, so. If you head over to craftsanity.com, you can download as instant download for episodes. Uh, or not, I see I get confused. This is a podcast that is a magazine. For issues one, two, and three of the magazine, you can do instant downloads of each of those. And I saw the download for $5. I found that that's a pretty sustainable price. And I'm still making weaving looms and still enjoying that process. And I'm actually trying to do some more weaving on the looms because that's kind of the reason I made them in the first place. And uh, sometimes it's, I, I wish I could weave more on my looms. I am going to be, I have a couple announcements. I'm going to be in Ann Arbor this Saturday for Festi Books. It's kind of a festival and celebration of art and craft and books. And it's going to be at the Work and Tile, 118 South Main in Ann Arbor. And this is a good weekend to go to Ann Arbor because they have their art festival is going on. Well, there's multiple art festivals going on downtown. So pretty much all the streets are blocked. I do have on my website um, at craftsanity.com, you can see they have a shuttle system that's really awesome. So you can park in a remote lot. You can park at the local mall. There's commuter lots and get shuttled into the downtown area. So it's going to be tricky. I'm going to be getting shuttled with a bunch of looms and magazines. And so I'm going to have to rig up some kind of little wheelie cart. Otherwise, I'm not going to make it um, <laughs> to my destination, especially if it's this hot. You know, I don't want to poke somebody's eye out with a loom, so i got to make sure I have a plan that's going to work and be safe for all people. So that's coming up on Saturday, and I'm going to be at the Work and Tile for this event from noon to 4 p.m. I'll be there with looms and magazines, and I'll be doing some weaving demos. And if you are in the area and you want to show me what you make or tell me your story, that's actually my favorite part. So if you have something you want to bring out, I'd love to meet you and love to see what you make and hear your story. So stop on by if you'd like. 
Now that's July 23rd that I'm going to be in Ann Arbor. And then looking ahead to the following weekend, the Maker Fair in Detroit is coming up on July 30th and 31st. And I went to this event last year. It's really fun. And it's great to be able to go to a Maker Fair without flying all the way to California. So real happy that the Maker Fair is in Michigan now. And I'm going to be there Sunday for sure. And I'm actually going to have a booth Sunday where I'll be selling magazines and looms and doing some, um, I'm also going to do a weaving demonstration. So I'll post the links on the website. There's going to be some spots for people to come in and get some free supplies and make something to take home. And I'll post um, the link to that for sign-up information. And I'll also be there, I may be there also on Saturday to cover the event. I made a little video last year and interviewed some people making cool stuff. I want to do that again. So I'll, uh, be bringing some helpers, I think, this year to help me uh, be able to be a few places at once because I want to. It's a lot to see, it's a lot to take in, and um, yeah, but I recommend it. It's a fun event, and so I'm looking forward to uh, meeting any of you folks that might be heading to the Detroit Maker Fair. Be sure to stop by and say hello if you're going to be there, and I can't wait to see what the craft vendors are going to have. Yeah, so I'll be there Sunday from like nine until six, and. Be sure to stop by. Look for a lady in an apron with a craft sanity, probably some kind of craft sanity banner. And, uh, yeah, so it's, there's a lot going on. And I'm also working on rounding up projects for the fall and winter issues of Craft Sanity magazine. So if you have some ideas for me, uh, space is filling up in the fall issue. But, um, you know, I can still kind of squeeze some things in. And there's still a lot to do. I have a lot of writing to do for that. And, uh the summer's gone way too fast, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to bringing you guys the fall and winter issues. And, um, yeah, so if you have any ideas for it, be sure to get in touch. I am trying to work with a good mix of established and up-and-coming crafters and artists because I really think it's important to um, help people get their work out there. And so I try to do that whenever I can. Yeah, so it's been a really fun journey. Thank you so much for all your support. I know many of you have, you know, bought the magazine and, and just, you know, encouraged me to keep doing the podcast. And I really do appreciate that. And, uh, be sure to keep me up on your latest projects because I want to support you too. So, um, you know, send me a note and let me know what you're doing. And, uh, yeah. So again, it's, it's great to be back and, uh, I'm going to do my best to, uh, bring you shows without taking massive breaks in between. So yeah, we'll see where the wind blows us next here. And uh, that's part of the fun is we don't know exactly what's going to happen next. But anyway, you guys have a great day and I'll be back soon.